Good evening and welcome to the NFL Draft. Tonight, we officially welcome the next generation of players. So if you're ready, are you ready? Let's get it started. The NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, an uninterrupted intro this time. Ben used his yeah, the people wish it was interrupted. The people loved it. It was a good int- it was a good interruption. You used your card well. I am Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak. We're here on Locked On NFL Draft to give you another episode of the Team Takeover Tuesday. Because it is, of course, Tuesday on the calendar. We had to keep the alliterations going. If you're new to this series, what we do is Ben and I take one of the teams in the NFL that didn't do so well. Expectations came up short. We look at their situation, their ownership, their front office, their coaching staff, some pending free agents, how much cap space they have, and figure out what we can do to fix the team, get them on the right track, get them back to a Super Bowl or maybe to a Super Bowl for the first time. And of course, we will end the podcast with a three-round mock draft. Today, we're talking about the New York Giants, a team that you know, down to the wire, almost made the playoffs. It's kind of fool's gold because of how the NFC East shaped up this year. But Ben, this is a organization that you know well since the Philadelphia Eagles are often foes of them in the same division. But before we get to the Giants, how are you, my friend? Oh, everything is delicious. Thank you for asking. Uh, I am making jokes on the internet about football players. Fun part of my job. And the people fresh off of the Super Bowl and ready, just just primed and prepped for an off season of gross overreactions and ridiculous takes are very upset about it. I tweeted a gif about or I tweeted a meme about Russell Wilson taking sacks and I've had fifteen Seahawks fans be like, Have you watched any film? Yeah. No. I I'm just here. This listen. What is film? I, your quarterback's the one on the Dan Patrick show being like, I don't know if I'm gonna be a Seahawk next year. Stop <laughs> yelling at me. It's not my fault. This offseason is going to get weirder than I feel like normal offseason. And I don't try to say uh, that as like hyperbole uh-huh. because there's a lot of quarterback uncertainty for a lot of teams that you would think that have no business having quarterback uncertainty. So I just feel like fan bases I are going to be really touchy this year. Love it. It's going to be I really emotional. It. They're going to be in their fields. Oh, if I had millions of people who cared desperately about my like, you know, commitment to a certain team, I would be I would be I would be Aaron Rodgers on dial 11. I would be so messy in the media constantly. People would be like, "Oh, so like, you know, uh you went 14 and 2 this season. You won the MVP award. Uh, you know, you you won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, greatest season in history." And I'd be like, "Yeah, I really hope the team wants me back next year. You know, I know I'm getting a little bit older. Oh, I'd be so, constantly I would be suggesting things. Why not? There's no reason to be unreasonable." Let's talk about the New York Giants, though. We've, we've got to get to the New York Giants. This is what the podcast is all about. We are fixing the Giants today. We'll start at the very top. Owners, it's a two-part ownership. John Marr and Steve Tisch, they own the New York Giants together, and they're in on a lot of the decisions. It's not like they're just hands-off owners. I think they're heavily involved in a lot of the things that go on with the Giants. But the guy who is running the football operations side of things is one David Allen Gettleman. Someone that we love on this podcast just because we get Dave Gettleman gives us a lot to talk about. And it's often for not the right reasons, but we'll get to that in a second. So he is going on his fourth season as general manager of the New York Giants. 
started in 2018. He was a GM of the Carolina Panthers for five seasons before that, which includes their successful seasons leading up to Cam Newton's MVP year and their Super Bowl run and coming up just short there. His roots, though, come from scouting. He was a scout from 1986 all the way to 1989 before being promoted to the director of player personnel by the Giants, a position that he held for 12 years before taking the Panthers gig. So we'll just talk about the draft history for Gettleman so far with the Giants, since that's where it matters most. 2018, that first draft that he had in New York, drafted Saquon Barkley at number two. And and as if taking a running back at number two wasn't bold enough, this was because Gettleman had said that he watched the tape of Eli Manning in 2017 when he took the job with the Giants and said that Eli had many years left of being a good quarterback. And... um. Yeah, Eli would go on to start only one more year for the New York Giants before being replaced by then Daniel Jones, who was their pick at number six overall in 2019. We then complained, oh, Dave Gettleman, he never drafts offensive linemen in the first round. And last year he went, fine, I'm going to stick it right to you and I'm going to draft an offensive lineman. And he took Andrew Thomas, his offensive tackle number one, who looks like he is the worst out of the big four that we discussed last year. So, Man, it's just been, it's always just such an interesting history with Dave Gettleman. And when I say interesting, I might be too kind there because I just don't think he makes good decisions as a GM. He traded for Leonard Williams, which has turned out to be really good. He signed James Bradbury in free agency, which again has been good. But, you know, he's drafted just two edge rushers um, in the three years that he's been there in New York. Edge rushes now, it has been really a huge need for the New York Giants. He's never drafted one before round three because he drafted Lorenzo Carter and O'Shane Zimenez. Those are the two guys that uh, he he puts his draft capital into over the last three years. Moved on from Odell Beckham Jr. Got rid of the biggest star on the team. It just Dave Gettleman's... I, I, you would think that this is a guy who is absolutely on the hot seat as a GM, correct? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? The Giants are a big exercise in it, you would think. You would think that Dave Gettleman's on the hot seat. You would think that they would look at improvements for Daniel Jones. These are not things that are happening. Uh, They really strongly believe that they are set to follow the course. They're they're confident that, you know, they, they, they made the Joe Judge hire. They feel like they turned around the culture oh, with that you're getting, in your one. Right? Ahead of things, you get into the head coach category. We're not, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know. Right. <laughs> you've but, got. But, you've but, got but, to rope in it. terms of like why people are on the hot seat. It's all right. They turn the Joe Judge uh, the hire, and that's that's good. Uh, they turn around the culture. They get things moving there a little bit. They won four straight in in the middle of the season. They won five of seven. They they, they became a uh, five and seven team at one point, pushing for the lead in the NFC East. And then, uh, you know, Daniel Jones went back into the starting lineup and their offense completely pooped out for the rest of the season. It This very much looks like a team that would be experiencing significant changes up top. It is not. He has, he has a reputation amongst, I guess, football guys that it's kind of keeping him safe in New York. And I don't know how much longer he's going to be safe. Um, it, it's not like, I don't think there was a, wasn't a decision to make going into the season, but... Here he is going into his next year as general manager, although I think the timing of things certainly makes it interesting because, yeah, he drafted Daniel Jones, and as we've often linked with Chris Ballard, when you draft a quarterback, that's really when your clock starts. When you draft a quarterback in the first round, that's really when your clock starts as a general manager because you're really focusing the franchise on a new direction, and they drafted Daniel Jones really high in the draft, higher than a lot of people thought that they should have. 
It was a year off of them passing a stud quarterback draft. Remember, this was the 2018 draft where they drafted Saquon Barkley at two. That was a draft with Baker Mayfield, with Josh Rosen, with Josh Allen, with Sam Darnold, with Lamar Jackson, and they said no. They're like, no, we're, we're good with Eli. We can win with Eli. That was Gettleman's assessment and how he attacked the draft. And so that was questionable there. How they then replaced it with Daniel Jones is questionable. But with them hiring Joe Judge, I, I wonder how much longer this buys him. Like, if Daniel Jones is not good next season and they just totally have to move on, are they going to move on from the general manager and the quarterback but not the head coach? You know, it's just kind of, it, it's a weird, Sure, it, it's, it's kind of a weird timeline that you're setting up. There's no clean break for Gettleman, and I that's probably to his advantage because I, I wonder if he's bought an extra year no matter what after this one. I think that it's it's clear that he's the man, like he's the guy who's got power at the top, right? I, I honestly would not be surprised if even with another bad season, he remains the general manager of the Giants. What's tricky is you, it's tough to circle like it's it, the giants went six and ten i don't think they were very good jones had the hamstring injury for much of the back half of the season barkley was gone right the whole time right you know what i mean like they had the injuries on offense that i mean they're they're two foundational pieces whether wise or otherwise are daniel jones and saquon barkley so you go six and ten you say okay well we didn't have our, our starting quarterback for the last six weeks like in terms of like complete health and we didn't have our our star running back after week two uh, they had missed games from Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate again during the season. So, like, it's not hard to be like, you know, we tried to revamp our offensive lines. So we got some young guys there. And then our, our skill position guys got injured. Our quarterback got injured. Our star running back got injured. So, wash this whole season away on offense. We're going to be so much better next year. If they're not, then we start to have that conversation. On defense, this is where... You, if this team's going to be successful next year, that'll be the driving force, right? It'll be what Patrick Graham's unit is doing, the star talent that they have there in James Bradbury, uh, in Leonard Williams, rising mm -hmm. free agent, Dalvin Tomlinson, rising free agent. So there's work to be done in terms of, of retaining that top talent and, and turning out yet another quality season. But to me, I, I can very easily see a way that this defense is good next year. This offense is bad next year. And Jason Garrett gets fired and nothing else changes. And they come into another season with Daniel Jones. And they come into another season with Dave Gettleman. And that's the way that they want to go about this. And I think that our suspicion of Daniel Jones, who, let's call a spade a spade here. Everybody made fun of them for picking Jones at six, in large part because Haskins was viewed as the better quarterback prospect. They were right in terms of, well, of Jones above Haskins. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Now... Does that mean Jones was worth, was worth six? No, but, but they, should, they got they, that. They part probably of it right. shouldn't have been there, though. That's that's right. something too. Like where well, they should have, you know, T R A D E space D O W N. However, that's not something that you're allowed to say in Dave Gettleman's front offices. That's yeah, the problem. Dave Gettleman never yeah. trades down ever. So that's right. That's where you're. That's where you're limited by your general manager. Who, but it's clear he's the guy. It's clear that he's running the, the entire show there in, in New York. So I don't think that Gettleman's even near the hot seat. I agree with you. And that might be ludicrous, but that's the vibe that I get when I when I look at this New York team and the way they talk about how they want to be. I just don't know how they're going to view him. Because right at the beginning, you know, we were talking about, hey, they should view him on the hot seat, but I, I don't know if the Giants do because I've 
I can't understand how people have just straight up viewed Dave Gettleman over the last couple of years because it seems like this is a guy who has made a lot of bad decisions and he doesn't seem to pay for them. Their head coach, Joe Judge, as Ben mentioned, he was the special teams coordinator and assistant head coach, or no, she was the special teams coordinator and assistant for special teams with the Patriots since 2012. So I'm covering his whole journey there as he got promoted. He was also the special teams coach at Alabama under Nick Saban before that. He's one of the younger head coaches in the league at just 39 years old. Went 6-10 in that first season, but as Ben mentioned as well, he has Jason Garrett as his offensive coordinator to kind of curb that learning curve of becoming a first-time head coach as such a young coach and also an experienced coach. I mean, I know that he's been around things a while. I know he's been able to see how Bill Belichick and the Patriots do things. He's been able to see how Nick Saban did things, but... He's never been a coordinator. He's never been an assistant head coach. He's been a wide receiver coach uh, during his time with the Patriots, but that's it. So this was a massive jump for Joe Judge, and it was more of a, probably a character hire than anything else, right? I mean, this was probably a, we are trusting this man to be a leader of our staff, to be a leader of our roster. And look, I don't want to, I don't want to be a hypocrite here because we on this podcast, myself, I guess I'm speaking for myself for sure, have said that. That's a major part of being a head coach. Maybe even more important than being a good play caller and knowing schematics and things like that is is being able to delegate, be able to hire under guys, hire guys underneath you, be able to manage your roster, be able to be someone who guys believe in. That's a big important part. And it seems as though that must have been what knocked Joe Judge into the driver's seat of getting this job because when you look at the experience, there are plenty of other coaches around the league who who probably had one up two up, three up on him when it comes to resumes. And so I thought that was an interesting hire as well. Again, that was another Dave Gettleman decision where I was just like, okay, I mean, like it better work out for you. And and look, the Giants were competitive this year in a year, as you mentioned, they probably didn't have any reason being competitive. And they added their biggest defensive piece recently, uh, probably their biggest two actually with, with Leonard Williams and James Bradbury. But that brings us to their team needs, which we're going to get to in a second. After a note from our friends over at Bet Online, because Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, NHL, they're on full swing. Bet Online covers even awards, TV shows, reality TV, real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Head over to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online. Your online sports book experts use the promo code LOCKED ON, all caps, one word, LOCKED ON, when you sign up. February is Black History Month, and the Locked On Podcast Network is honoring the challenges and success of black men and women in sports with a new series called Locked On Presents More Than the Game. This week, Candace Cooper of Locked On Tar Heels and Erica Ayala of Locked On Women's Basketball discuss the opportunities and challenges that come with being a black woman in sports. Subscribe to the Locked On Presents podcast feed on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's talk about some of those Giants needs, shall we? I got three big ones. Tell me if you see one elsewhere on the roster that I did not mention. Wide receiver, edge rusher, and that corner two spot, depending on what they do. Those were the big three needs that when I looked at the Giants season, when I looked at who's kind of who could be coming back, the roster that could be in 2021, some of their unrestricted free agents. Those are the big needs that I see on this roster right now. I'm with you 100% of the way. Okay. Uh, You have from Joe Judge, or excuse me, from Dave Gettleman in his uh, postseason presser, 
talking about playmakers. They said, uh, this is an important roster building offseason for us. We've got some solid pieces. We've built up the lines, which offense and defensive lines, which is basically Gettleman saying, the one thing I'm really good at, trench play, we have done. Uh, we have to continue to get good players, and part of it is getting playmakers. This is something that's a goal of ours in the offseason. They have, I agree, like a good group, Darius Slayton, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard. They don't have a, 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 a go-to guy. You know what I mean? You have uh, Golden Tate, who's potentially cuttable, and the Giants aren't in a have-to-cut-somebody-to-save-cap-space situation currently. They could get there, depending on... The Leonard Williams deal and the Dalvin Tomlinson deal. You know, if they want to, they already brought back Logan Ryan. Are they going to bring back Kyler Fackrell? Are they going to bring back, uh, oh man, I should have thought of somebody else to say before I went one more time. Okay, those three guys, um, they have, right, they, they could get in a situation. I don't have their free Cody agent list, or I, I didn't mean to like hang I, out to dry. Colt McCoy, Colt McCoy, of course. You Cole forgot Colt McCoy. Yeah, McCoy. Yeah. I feel like there's one more big name that I'm forgetting. It doesn't matter. Maybe I'll think of it later. Deion Lewis? Uh, no. Cam Fleming? Ooh, a little bit, because he's a good swing tackle. Jabal Sheard? No, not Jabal Sheard. That's Wayne, Wayne Gallman? Kind of fat girl. Joe Webb? Nate Everett? No. I think I was thinking of Logan Ryan, but they did already re-sign Logan Ryan. Yeah, he's not an unrestricted free agent. Yes, okay. Anyway. Uh, Adrian Colbert? They have a... Stop it. They have a good group. Ryan Lewis? Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard. I need you to stop it. <laughs> Darius Slayton? <laughs> But the, also Dante Pettis, who like suddenly became a thing at the end of the season. And by a thing, I mean he caught like two balls, but I don't care. I still believe We always Pettis. believed, baby. We never gave up. We were always them, here. And Evan Ingram, who's got one more year on his deal. You look at that group, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Dante Pettis, Evan Ingram, and you say, all right, third and seven, who am I targeting? It's probably Sterling Shepard. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's not necessarily where you want to be as a team. I love uh, you'd Sterling like Shepard's have... film. Did you like Sterling Shepard coming out? You had Shep as a round one, didn't you? I think I did. Because I feel like you did. There was at one point I toyed with the Bucks drafting him potentially in round one. And I was like, this is the kind of wide receiver they need. I'm glad they didn't. But I was about to say, and then a year later they drafted Chris Godwin in the third round. Goat. Moral of the story. You'd like to have a go-to target against the opposing team's best guy. They don't currently have that, which puts them a potential early wide receiver team. So that's on, on offense. They've talked about that playmaker need. Their defensive needs largely re rest on what happens to them in free agency. As we brought up, both Dalvin Tomlinson and Leonard Williams are rising free agents. Yeah. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson deserves, you know, like Leonard's going to get the big pub because he's going to get a big deal. The season that Leonard Williams just had is the season that everybody was hoping he would have when he was drafted out of USC in the first round. 11 and a half sacks, 30 QB hits. Both career highs uh, for him coming as a defensive tackle, not as a 3-4 end, which is what he was playing with the Jets, but as a defensive tackle, him being a dominant interior rusher. He's going to get all the pub. He's going to sign for oof, 17 mil. Who are we talking here? Leonard Williams. So, um, Spotrack had him at like 11.2, and that was like hella low. So this is, right, and like I get it because... This he came he's coming off of one good season off a of franchise tag. Yeah, but right? he played on the tag this year, which he got what, 16 16 one? I think on the tag he got oh, like sixteen point yeah. one. So he's twenty seven years old. He was playing on the tag, he just put it had his best year. You think there's I mean, there's no way he was taking anywhere near eleven point two with the Giants. I mean, there 
I was thinking it was going to be probably something like 15, 16. It's just in a longer form deal. I didn't think it was going to be as much as his franchise tag was. But shoot, maybe he's got a great agent and they have to bring him back because the guy who <laughs> he had 11 and a half sacks a season. The next closest guy had four. So that was Fackrell, right? I was Fackrell and I think Dexter Lawrence. I think that was that was who tied at four. But like Leonard is, Williams right. is in a strong position to negotiate. So I think it's gonna be like somewhere between fifteen to sixteen mil a year. That's what I think. But it could be here's what here's what's tricky for me. Williams, this is from PFF, took the majority of his snaps at right tackle. Defensive right tackle is PFF charts, which means he's inside of the offensive tackle. That's where he took most of his snaps. However, his next most populated positions were right end and then their Rio spot, like REO, which means he's playing outside of the tackle. Mm -hmm. So they did what you should do with a player like Leonard Williams. They moved him around, right? He's 300 pounds playing edge. But that's what he, that was the allure of Big Cat, right? When he was coming out of USC, that's what this was about. Are you going to pay him like a tackle or are you going to pay him like an edge? I don't think he's going to, go ahead, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I'm curious what your thought is. That's an open question. I was just going to say, like, I don't think he's going to stand to be paid like a tackle. I think he is going well, to tell you, I finished with double-digit sacks. No one else even came close. Pay me. <laughs> like, that's... I, I, I don't know if he's going to sit here and... Sure, market... D- d- market is the determining factor for everything. It's It's how much someone mm-hmm. is willing to pay for you, but... I could see some other team paying him somewhere between 15, I'll say 17. So somewhere between 15 to $17 million, which is more of defensive end money, pass rusher edge money, than it is defensive tackle money. Right, and and that's the thing is, one defensive tackle this year had more sacks than Leonard Williams. His name is Aaron. He plays in Los Angeles. He's one of the greatest right? defensive players of all time. That man makes 22-5. You've got... So Williams outperformed uh, Stephon Tuitt, who had 11 sacks. DeForest Buckner, who had 9.5 sacks. DeForest Buckner's get 21 million a year, right? Stephon Tuitt's got 12 million a year, but whatever. We're looking at top defensive tackle contracts. If he's top five defensive tackle contract, he's making more than 17 million per, right? So you can be paid as a defensive tackle and still make 17, is what I'm saying, as opposed to like, you pay him like an edge, and then I guess your argument for that is paying him like Trey Flowers, right? Like Trey Flowers made 18 on the Lions, and he does that as a 275, 280-pound edge, whatever the heck Trey Flowers is. You know what I mean? Like, that's probably what you're trying to – I mean, if you're trying – but I don't think it's even a useful argument if you're like – if you're the Giants, you sit down and you're like, we want to pay you like an edge. Leonard's still going to be like, all right, like pay me 16, pay me 17. Right, so I think that he ends up being like seventeen million per thing. All right, I can be down with that. I I, I think it's going right. to be somewhere anyway, on that. It's an interesting part. conversation. What I'd be curious to do is go and watch his eleven and a half sacks. Go watch his thirty pressures and see where he was lined up for him, because I don't know if they were predominantly coming from tackle or predominantly coming from edge, and that kind of changes the calculus. Regardless, he is going to command that caliber of money somewhere between sixteen to eighteen. Dalvin Tomlinson's also going to command significant money. I think Dalvin Tomlinson realistically should command eight figures a year. I mean, if we're, if we're looking at the Eddie Goldman contract, if we're looking at Jerron Reed, right? These are 10.5, 11 million. Yeah. Uh, Stephon Tuitt, 12 yeah. million, right? Yeah. And DJ Reader was getting 13 from the Bengals on free agency last year. That's for being a dominant interior two gapper. And that's what Dalvin Tomlinson's been. Right. So you could suddenly see the Giants put 
25, 30 million dollars per year into their two defensive tackles. If they're going to do that, they can't be spending big on the edge, right? You're going to be putting too much money into your defensive front. So that's where I think a guy like Kyler Fackrell, who had four sacks last year, but is their outside linebacker probably is returned, right? And they have Lorenzo Carter and they have O'Shane Zimenez. And I think that they're not going to go big on edge for that reason. So when we talk about edge rusher as a need for the Giants, if they're going to spend 11 on Quiddy Pay, if they're going to spend 11 on, on Gregory Rousseau, I think that you might see that in response to being unable to secure one of Dalvin Tomlinson or Dexter or uh, not Dexter Lawrence, uh, Leonard Williams. Yeah, because I, uh, I, that to me is, is that you can only invest so much in that trench unit, especially when Gettleman said in his in his postseason presser, we feel like we've built to the trenches successfully. So I personally think they're going to spend big money on defensive line. Not go super high on edge, trust their young guys, trust their middling free agents, continue to live through the defensive tackles, and then that gives them the freedom to either go in free agency or in the draft corner at tw- at 11, right? Corner with, with a big contract. Get the guy opposite, James Bradbury. They had a, a carousel of guys, Sam Beal, Isaac Yedom, across these uh, the, uh, uh, the the corner two spot, the outside corner spot. They have Logan Ryan and... and, and uh, What's his name? Julian Love, who's able to play in the nickel for them. They've got a great safety room, but that second outside corner is a weak spot. And they they cycled through young guys, didn't have any one of them play out successfully. They need to address that spot. And I think 11 is a good candidate for that if they don't go wide receiver early. Yeah. they So some guys on the team that they could move on from, depending on how spicy they want to get. And I, I don't see Dave Gettleman as somebody who's just going to like cut all of these guys. So I don't know how much of this is realistic, but right now they have projected to they have a projected seven million in cap space, which is the twenty second most in the NFL. So not very much. We already laid out that that doesn't include Tomlinson, who's probably going to get somewhere between nine mil and eleven mil, and then Leonard Williams, who let's just say seventeen. Let's just go with seventeen. Although I, I do think that that number could be all over the place, depending on how the market sees him, but. Mm-hmm. That right there is twenty eight million. So already right there, you you're you're if you want to bring both those guys back, you gotta figure out how to get twenty one million dollars somewhere to get over the cap. And then of course you have your rookies that you have to sign as well. So the guys that you look at that they could move on from, they move on from Golden Tate, which there's a chance. I mean, Golden Tate was part of the receiver group that was supposed to be able to have enough talent at enough spots to make up for no longer having Odell Beckham Jr., but Golden Tate just really has not produced. Certainly last year he didn't. I think he averaged less than or right around like three yards per catch or after the catch. And so, like, that's just not what... That's not the success that you need to see from Golden Tate to really justify him being there for you. If you caught him, you save $6 million. So $6 million you get right there. Kevin Zeitler, mm-hmm. if you caught him, you, you save twelve mil, And it's... I, I, this is one where I'm not so sure Dave, Dave Gettleman does it because... You could you could argue, hey, go younger on the offensive line. Like you are still building as a team. Go younger because he's one of the more veteran offensive tackles, but he's still probably their best offensive not offensive tackle, sorry, offensive lineman. But he is sure. still probably their best offensive lineman. But if you cut him, you save twelve mil. Like that's huge. That's huge. How old is he? Uh how old is Zeidler? Um, guessing twenty nine. Thirty, frick. Okay, so he's thirty. I don't think they're going to get rid of him because I think that Dave Gettleman's going to sit mm-hmm. here and be like, no, we're going to keep our trench, trench as strong as possible. So you're right. not getting that $12 million. 
Nate Solder, if you if you cut him, you get six million. But Nate Solder opted out this year. I don't see them moving on from him. This is another situation where it's like, yeah, if you want to get savage and totally turn the page from your offensive line that you have, you could save yourself eighteen million dollars by getting rid of Zeitler and Solder. But that's I don't see that happening. Again, I see Andrew Thomas yeah. on one side, I see Solder on the other, I see Zeitler in the middle, I see Will Hernandez, and I just think the offensive line is going to be what it is there. The other two guys, which are probably also very less likely, is you can move on from Evan Ingram and save $6 million, I think, and you could also move on from Jabril Peppers and save $6 million. I think both of those guys are still on the team. I don't think that they're going anywhere. So realistically, only guy I really see that the Giants might move on from is Golden Tate to save that money. But that only gets you to $13 million in cap space. That doesn't even get you enough for Leonard Williams. So you would then have to go throughout the roster and maybe get some restructures here and there, try to keep Leonard Williams on the team. It's going to be tough, though, just because of the way I feel like Gettleman wants to keep his roster and the way that he's been a GM before. This makes it tough for them to not only bring back the two guys that they want to bring back, but also make any noise in free agency. I agree. I, like I said, like they again, like going back to that Gettleman presser, Gettleman was like, we don't know how we're going to go about this offseason until we know how much money we have, because the Giants are in a weird like we might need to make money. We might not, depending on where the ceiling ends up. They're kind of right yeah. in that limbo spot. I don't I can't imagine them cutting Zeitler because if you do. You're stuck on the Will Hernandez extension next year, right? Like even if Shane Lemieux takes the starting job and plays out of his mind, which Lemieux is good in a reserve role. Uh, when he when he had to play this past season, Hernandez is is I'm not sure how much money Hernandez is going to demand, right? Like this is an ex pretty high pick who's had some peak high peak level plays, but then it's been shaky and it's going to be weird. And you might be stuck giving him an extension you don't want to give him if you move on from Zeitler. Zeitler and Hernandez are both free agents in 2022. I think you kind of sit and wait on that. Um, but it's going to be it's it's got to be discussed because of the the contract calculus. I wonder if there's anything to do with safety, right? I mean, they just gave Logan Ryan a huge contract. Jabril Peppers is due 6.7 mil. Yeah. Uh, sure. But you just drafted Xavier McKinney, extended Logan Ryan, who's basically a safety. Let's be honest with ourselves. You have Julian Love, a fourth round pick who turned out great. And don't get me wrong. I think Jabril is good for you. Are you, it's, 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 it's all non-guaranteed money. And you just invested so much into other safeties. Mm-hmm. I mean, is he that good of a punt returner? Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? So there's, there's guys that are going to necessitate conversations. Yeah. It's, 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 it's hard for me to think that they can drum up enough money. I think that you can get creative if you get close. Like there's plenty of restructuring that you could do to move some money around. And I think, I think that if they at least move on from golden Tate, they can make it so they're they're for sure bringing Leonard Williams back, which I think that they kind of have to do. But outside of, the, you know, they might have to sit here and choose between Jarrell Peppers and Dalvin Tomlinson, and that might be a conversation that they have to have. Right. I don't know if they do that. Dalvin. I mean, I would, I would, I would choose Dalvin too, simply because of the guys that they have there. They have McKinney. They have Ryan. They have um, Julian Love, who could be versatile for you. I'd probably move on for Peppers as just an outsider from the situation. I don't know if there's there's some insider, you know, splash plays where it's like he's invaluable here. So that might be the case. But. It's true. It is like you know they part of the 
the way they play defense is is you want to have multiple safeties on the field. You know what I mean? It's not dissimilar to the explosion of success that with the Rams had pl- playing three safeties on the field, right? Like they want to be able to move Love and then Ryan and then Peppers. And then obviously McKinney was injured for much of the season. But you you have all of those guys with the idea of being super multiple. So structurally, they may need the depth. But these are the conversations that have to be had. And if it's 180 million cap floor, those conversations are tough. It's, it's 185. They get a little bit easier. And that's where a lot of teams are going to be. Ben, I got good news, pal. Hit me with it. They have extended your Fast and Furious contract reboot. I'm not surprised. To now They've in, done this many times. Right, but now to get into the Hobbs and Shaw storyline. Good. So like it's you and it's like you and, and John Cena. No, it's you and Mark Wahlberg. It's not John Cena. Get John Cena out of there. It's just you and Mark Wahlberg now. Doing your own thing, oh. doing like a spin-off movie. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Are you cool with this? Are you good with this? I was just gonna I was gonna I was gonna ask if the Rock and, and Jason Statham were there, but it's a whole different sort no, of No, they're gonna kind. do like that whole like tribute thing, you know, at the end where they make like a cameo, you know, and it's like, Oh look, there's the old the, the guys who were in it before, but they're not like in the movie, you know? Okay. So it's just you and Mark Wahlberg. Just me and Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg's done a couple of, you know, car movies before. You can't be bringing that weak crap into his house. In fact, you got to show that it's your house. You got to show that you are the reason why these movies are being rebooted. And you got to do that by one-upping him in the car game. You got to bring a car it's to the, the only lot. way to communicate your dominance. Of course. With so much on the line. Where are you going to go to make... <laughs> <laughs> we were just... Get that one in under the bar there. <laughs> Folks, he's going to go to rockauto.com because it's a family-owned business serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. You can go to rockauto.com right now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. Rockauto.com's catalog is super unique. It's also really easy to navigate, whether you're a movie star like Ben or whether you're just trying to get to the grocery store, whether it's a fix or an upgrade, whatever you need for your vehicle. RockAuto.com's got it. If you do end up talking to them or if you go to the website, write Locked On NFL Draft or tell them that Locked On NFL Draft sent you, that would really help us out. They've got an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you are ever going to need over at RockAuto.com. On the other side of the break, we got a Giants three-round mock draft. NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On Peacock and Williamson every Monday through Friday. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the NFL. Get your picks, previews, and much more every weekday with the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. All right, sharing my screen to the mock draft machine. It's the moment everybody's been waiting for. There's a reason why it rhymes. It is. The dream? We have now become Dave Gettleman. Wait, are we, are we, wait, are are we taking his seat? Like, are we the GM now? Or are we like physically, is this like a Freaky Friday thing where we just like have become Dave Gettleman? I'm currently doing the nerds at their keyboards finger hand motion. Right when you said that. So I believe I have Freaky Friday, David Gettleman. You are Dave Gettleman then. Okay, so Giants on the clock. 
at number Trade nine. up? Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Just getting into character. That's not Dave Gettleman. Who are you? What have you done? So we have three trades on the table. The Jacksonville Jaguars would like to give us a second-round pick to move, and 25, obviously, their other first-round pick, to move up to number 11. The Chicago Bears want to give us a 3 and a 5 for us to move down from 11 to 20, and the New York Jets are offering us a 3rd, a 4th, and a 6th, as well as 23 to move from 11 to 23. But we're not doing any of those. We're Dave Gettleman. Yeah, so we cannot trade back. We physically cannot trade back. He unplugs the phone when they come on the clock for absolute silence and concentration. It's like Dave Gettleman with the trade phone in the war room is like when you're driving around, but then you're pulling into the parking lot and you need to focus on like where you're going, so then you turn the radio down. You ever do that? Are you one of those people that does that? No, I don't even understand the premise. So, like, if you're driving around and something is happening on the road where you need to concentrate more. Normally, it's like you're pulling into a parking lot. You need to, like, get in. You need to, like, assess what's happening. You turn the music down, right? I mean, yeah, like, pulling into a parking space, no. If it's, like, like, a snowy road or it's, like, raining or something, sure. I do that. When I pull into like a parking lot and I'm like, all right, I'm 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 like scanning, assessing the situation. People are probably being stupid. There's all sorts of people walking around with carts and pulling out, and not paying attention. I turn the radio down. It's a weird habit. I know That's I'm weird. weird. It doesn't. It, I know. I know. I know. And I fully admit that it's weird. But me and Dave Gettleman cut from the same cloth, as I've often said. Giants are up at eleven. As we as we have on the board, Micah Parsons, Penn State, Kyle Pitts. Florida. Trey Lance? Trey Lance? You little Trey Lance? No, probably not. Rayshon Slater is here. Christian Derrissaw is here. As far as edge rushers, we got Joseph Osai. We got Gregory Rousseau. We got Jalen Phillips. Aziz Ojolari. Quiddy Pay is not on the board. Neither are the yeah, top two. Neither are the top two corners. Caleb Farley or Patrick Sertan. If we wanted to get spicy and put one of those guys opposite James Bradbury. Receiver, the best one left is Rashad Bateman. Waddle, yeah. Smith, Chase, all off the board. Yeah, this is a tough tough board for us. If quarterback were on the table, Trey Lance is still here, which is great, uh, but I don't think it is. On this board, uh, so Michael Parsons is there, which is a connection that people have made Giants to linebacker before. Uh, big money on Blake Martinez in free agency last year, and I think that they have to be happy with what they bought. Uh, you, you understand that Blake Martinez is a limited player when you sign him, at least hopefully you do. Uh, but he took 100% of the snaps pretty much every single game and was a really, really good between-the-tackles linebacker. Uh, he, he was successful for what they asked for. I don't think that they view linebacker as a big need, and I don't think it's as big of a need as I thought it was coming out of the season. So, to me, this is Kyle Pitts. Uh, Evan Ingram's on a contract year. We talked about needing a dominant weapon. We talked about needing a go-to target on third down. David Gettleman said we need to surround uh, Daniel Jones with playmakers, and we need to get that top talent, right? We've got a good core. We need that top talent. To me, that's who Kyle Pitts is, right? He's a potentially elite player, and we know that Dave Gettleman doesn't really care much for positional value, so he won't balk at the idea of drafting a tight end at 11. I'm I'm with you. Uh, Certainly, if all three of the wide receivers are off the board, this one makes a lot of sense for me. Especially given who else is, I mean, if if Quiddy Pay if Quiddy Pay were still there, would you have picked Pay over Pitts? I maybe like I definitely think it would have been a, a difficult decision in that spot. 
the only good option for me that made sense was pay besides like a trade down, which they're not going to do. So, right. Right. You think he'd be interested in Devontae Smith? Because I cannot. Right. Because yeah, I cannot make up in my mind whether or not he goes. Yes. Devontae Smith is just a plain winner. He's successful. He's a Heisman trophy guy. He had so much success at Alabama. I don't care what his measurables are. Or if Dave Gettleman's going to go, the man weighs 168 pounds. There's not a chance in hell I'm drafting him at number 11. I I truly cannot decide which one I think Gettleman is going to be. I don't know. I think it's going to be a situation where Gettleman says, I watch him. He's a talented player, so he's a talented player, so I want him. All right. He wasn't on the board. I just wanted to have that conversation if he if he was, yeah. whether or not we think no, it, the it's a, would. Every GM needs to every GM needs to be evaluated and they will they have Devonta Smith high on their board if he weighs 170 pounds, yes or no. Scope and in my opinion, Gettleman is a yes. Okay. All right. So we, we got them the offensive weapon. We got them at Kyle, we got them Kyle Pitts at number eleven. So here they up at forty three uh in the second round. Linebacker's still in need, corner could still be in need, edge is still in need. Edge rusher on the board is Jason Owa. He's the highest rated one. Oh, Pat Frymuth is here. Lord have mercy. Um, Baron Browning is here from Ohio State. What corners do we have? Uh, Greg Newsom. Melifonwu. Melifonwu. Tyson Campbell. Tyson Campbell. All right. Corner is tough, man. It is just not a good class. Browning is there from linebacker. Chesterad is there. Pete Warner. Anybody stand out to you in this group here? I wish there were better edge rushers. I mean, like, I, I wonder if he would go Jason Noah because Jason Noah is a, a big, big time athlete and his production wasn't as much as you wanted on paper, but he's the kind of guy that I feel like the hardcore scouts are going to look at the tape and be like, yeah, he's just good. We like him. We don't care about the stats. He's going to be is good. He for good us. Is he a good, run, good enough run defender? I don't know. I feel like he's athletic enough. Like I think he's strong enough to become a good run defender, but he's a three, four outside linebacker. You know, like I think that he's more of a, more of a rush linebacker guy. Fill the Marcus golden role, which I think would be key for them. Mm -hmm. You could talk me into it. I'm also, I'm looking at Carlos Basham because when I asked, is he going to run defender Basham is your, you know, uh, hand in the dirt and, maintain the outside gap right like right now their edge room is like the the weight drop off is significant like even if you're playing leonard williams at one edge spot mm-hmm. you go to the outside and all of a sudden it's kyler fackrell lorenzo carter o'shane Zimenez. these are all 240 pounders you know what i mean like yeah and i wonder if they don't have faith in those guys because they were hurt like the end of the season on ir how many games did they play I think I Who this, specifically? I think I have this tab up. Um, so Fackrell played 12 games. Marcus Golden played six games, was traded. Ziminis played four games. Lorenzo Carter played five games. Yeah, Carter played five games. Yeah, so they, that, they were doing sixth-round pick Cam Brown on the outside. You know what I mean? They had a, what's his name? Austin Johnson, the Clemson kid who was playing for them. And BJ Hill. Hill's not really an edge. I don't know. I, I, I don't like this board. It's tough to figure out. Fine, I'll make the hard decision myself. Yeah, you will. Pat for our No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I think that it's probably Jace Noah when I look at it like this. Yep. It's I your think, highest ceiling pick. Yeah. He's one of the best players left in the board, period. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just think you that's got BPA. The, the biggest return there, unless we're looking into your offensive line, like Landon Dickerson's still here. No, we're going Landon Dickerson. Wow, just going full Gettle? Yeah, no, we have to here. We have to. I don't think there was enough beef in that first pick, so had to bring the beef on the second one. Every single time we get to the uh, second round, we do these two-round mock drafts, we're always like, yo, but Landon Dickerson's still on the board, just constantly. I think Landon Dickerson's going to be a first-round pick. I would like to see it. I really do. So here the Giants are up at 75. This is our last pick because it's only a three-round mock. We got Kyle Pitts. We got Kyle Pitts. Excuse me. We got Landon Dickerson. Who's still left linebacker? We get any steals? Oh, Cameron McGrone, Jabril Cox. Okay, 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 okay. Edge rusher, Quincy Roche, Jordan Smith. Peyton Pey- Turner Pey- would be one that they'd like. Peyton Turner. Yeah, if you got- like Bashman round two, you like Peyton Turner round three. I yeah. like Turner's film. Got arms for days. Joe Tryon. Yeah. His weight's been all over the place. Got a basketball background. He's high ceiling. Yeah. I mm, Do you want to go Peyton Turner here? I want to see the corner room. Okay. I'm praying that Melifonwu. Frick. Uh, okay. Where did Melifonwu go in this mock? Uh, Lord. He ain't even close. Yeah. Where'd he go? Like probably 51. Right you oh. idiot. Dude, corner is tough, dude. It's a big class, though. Look at this board we're looking at. There's Elijah Molden, who's a nickel. And then it's Keith Taylor Jr., who's like 6'3". Israel McQuam, who's like 6'4". Benjamin Sinjus, who's like 6'3". Rodarius Williams, who's like 6'1". And then Ambry Thomas, who's like 5'9". Yeah, then but we, yeah. we <laughs> get back to some normal class. Man. I just, oh, they need corner, but there's no one here good enough. And I don't, I don't think know. we reach for need. They don't 100% need corner, though, because Dang. they moved Julian Love over there, and he was fine. Like, if you got James Bradbury on one side, I feel like Julian Love can be fine for you. They struggled a lot at corner when they were playing um, Isaac Iadome, and then who was, the other, who was the other player they brought in for him? Is it Lewis? Um... Yes, Ryan Lewis. Yeah, and then it, then he got hurt, so then they had to go back to Iadome and, and just... I think that that's when corner was really bad for them. When they moved Julian Love over there, I feel like he was fine. So I think they, they can get by with it. was the nickel I was thinking of that I forgot. Oh. Yeah, okay. So I think Peyton Turner's the pick. Okay. I agree with you. Yeah, I think it's Peyton. I agree. Let it be. We have spoken. That is a, but that is a good name for Giants fans. If you don't know Peyton Turner, the edge out of Houston... That's a good name for you to know because that's the sort of player that I think Dave Gettleman could get into in a big way. All right, so let's recap this episode before we get out of here. You got Dave Gettleman at GM. We're not exactly sure what that means, how hot his seat is, but they're riding with it. They're riding with Daniel Jones right now. They're going to try to invest as much as they can as their quarterback. You're hoping that you get Saquon Barkley, a very healthy and explosive Saquon Barkley that you can lean on in a lot of different facets because he is the most talented guy on their team in the receiving room. Not what it needs to be. They need an upgrade there some way, whether it's finding money to make a splash in free agency, which we kind of went over. It's not really possible. Or maybe getting a guy at number 11. Defensive line, Leonard Williams, a free agent. He's your best guy. They're probably going to bring him back, but you might not have enough money to also bring Dalvin Tomlinson back, so you're going to look towards the draft there as well. They're going to be close towards the cap floor. It's just kind of the way this Giants roster is right now unless they starting to get unless they start to get really savage with their guys, which we don't really think is going to happen, but a three-round mock, at least the way that it came out this way is we gave them an offensive weapon. 
We gave them tight end Kyle Pitts at number 11. We gave them an interior offensive lineman, Landon Dickerson, at number 43. And then they, we did get another defensive line player in Peyton Turner, the edge rusher from Houston, who's, like Ben said, is very interesting. He's fluctuated weight a lot. He's got a he's got, he's got extremely long arms. I mean, like his his build is crazy. So teams are going to look at him and see a, a ball of clay, a guy that they think has really high potential. And I agree with you. I think that he's going to be pretty high on the Giants board. How we do? We do all right. Yeah, I'm still. Uh, I'm worried about corner two, but besides that, I like it. I don't think you can fix everything that they got to fix within the first three rounds no. of the draft. Because we know that Such it's probably the not curse come of being a bad football team. That's look, you know, I, I had Giants fans yelling at me in the middle of the season when they were leading the division. Were they leading the division at that five point? Five and seven. When they were five the and seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, and they, then they, they ran into the absolute threshing machine that was the Cincinnati Bengals. <laughs> Just couldn't get it. I think it was the Bengals. No, the Arizona Cardinals. They went twenty. They lost twenty six to seven. This is a very big year, though, for the Giants, for their decision maker at the top and Dave Gettleman, for a a second year with Joe Judge, who really I think rallied a a not good roster into a decent season. And then, of course, it's it's huge for Daniel Jones. This is massive for Daniel Jones. He has to show improvement, or the Giants are going to be in the corner quarterback market a year from now. That's it for the New York Giants. Team Takeover Tuesday in the Fixture Team Series tomorrow. We're expanding our mock draft powers into a full first round post Super Bowl full team mock draft. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked On NFL Draft.